Live from the heartland and the crossroads of America, it's Tony Katz today. So the CDC has now gotten into the game of picking winners and losers. That's obvious. The CDC, that's the Centers for Disease Control, they recommend Pfizer and Moderna vaccines over Johnson & Johnson due to a rare blood clotting issue. What about heart inflammation issues with Pfizer? It's still okay? Nine deaths have been linked to the J&J vaccine, according to the CDC. And remember, there was some talk about clots early on, and then they checked. They're like, no, 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 we can move forward with this, and they move forward with it. Were they wrong in moving forward with Johnson & Johnson? Did the CDC rush Johnson & Johnson in order to get more vaccines out there? And now, if people took Johnson & Johnson, do they get to sue the CDC? And why is the CDC making recommendations like this anyway? If it got past an FDA panel and got that emergency use, use, use authorization, why are you saying use one and not the other? Why is the CDC getting involved in this? Women between the ages of 30 and 49 are most affected by the blood clotting issue at a rate of about 1 in 100,000 shots. Health officials have confirmed 54 cases of the blood clots, nine of which have been fatal. They expect to have two more deaths, uh, and well, they suspect, I should say, they're related to the blood clotting issue. Did I say hello, Tony Katz, Tony Katz today? Uh, This story has got me unbelievably bothered. What I am bothered by is the CDC thinking this is their place. This is not their place. Now, Johnson & Johnson doesn't make up the vast majority of a vaccine. You have 470 million doses of Pfizer, Moderna out there and 16 million of J&J. And the difference is is that uh, Pfizer, Moderna are the mRNA types. This is what you would refer to as, as some people say, DNA, a viral vector vaccine. It replaces a piece of genetic instruction in a in a, in a virus with genetic instructions for for uh, the SARS-CoV-2 spike protein. So when the vaccine gets injected, cells recognize that the spike protein isn't supposed to be there, and they produce antibodies to fight it. Different take and a different look at the thing. The AstraZeneca COVID vaccine, which is in the UK, is a viral vector vaccine. And has also created some blood clotting issues. Okay. Nine? One in 100,000, and mostly in women of a certain age. Well, that could mean that those women shouldn't take that vaccine. But recommending one or another over another seems like you're picking winners and losers. Trust me when I say the biggest losers on this are the CDC because they have lost all credibility when it comes to COVID. And we should be clear that there are people actively, proactively right now discussing the idea of lockdowns. I may have been the first to call my shot and say the lockdowns are coming. They're coming. These people are freaked out about this Omicron variant like it's their job, except there's nothing to freak out about. Here's what we know. And I'm going to dig into more of this later. 
we know that it spreads quick. Omicron spreads quick. It moves 70 times faster than, than Delta. You know what we also know? Common cold. Sore throat, stuffy nose, Omicron. That's what we know. The studies show that the replication in the lungs uh, is happening at a a much less, I I was going to say much less quick pace, but that's not the way to say it. A much slower pace. There you go, Tony. So therefore, it's the 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 studies are showing a a lessened severity of disease, which means people survive Omicron. If you survive Omicron, if you had a hundred percent positivity, it wouldn't matter. Sorry, positivity rates are ridiculous. They're ridiculous. They're nonsensical. They're garbage. They're hot trash. They mean nothing. Who's in a hospital? Who's dead? That means something. That means something. And we're also seeing from Omicron, and this is from Columbia University, New York Post reporting, that the variant is pretty resistant to vaccines and boosters might not do much to help. Even though you have people out there like Dr. Fauci saying you should get a booster because the booster, it does so much good. We have been saying from the beginning, based on what data? Based on what data is the booster doing us any good? If you had data, I'm interested. If you have data, I'm listening. But you want me to listen to this? But you got to follow what's going on. If the counts keep going up and and the test positivity keeps going up, we may need to be more restrictive. But for right now, people who are vaccinated and boosted should feel reasonably comfortable. The risk is never... Why should I feel comfortable if the Omicron can get past the, the vaccine and the booster? Well, I should feel comfortable because it's not deadly. It is far less... Uh, it, 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 it's not... Wait, hold on. Not far less. It's not deadly. And if it's not deadly, why do I have to get boosted? And I'm not anti-vax. I'm asking a question. That's a rational question that you may be asking, that rational people would ask. And why in the world would anything need to be more restrictive? Ah, yes. Lockdowns. Here's the Deputy White House Press Secretary, Corinne Jean-Pierre, avoiding that question altogether. Are you still categorically ruling out... um possibility that we might see lockdowns this winter, uh, especially considering how boosters have not kind of had the uptick that we would need to see here. And are are there going to be any operational changes here at the White House? Obviously, you know, the president um, 79 years years old, he's been boosted, but Look, as it relates to, to shutdowns, which is what I was trying to convey uh, to uh, Jeff as he asked me this question. Look, you know, we've been very clear. Dr. Fauci has been very clear. Um, uh, our public health experts have been very clear. We know what works and we're going to continue to do what works, which is making sure that, you know, we do everything we can to get folks vaccinated. We're at 71 percent of people being fully vaccinated. That's a huge 
huge difference to where we were a year ago, as I just stated. A year ago, we were at less than 1%. We're at 83%, more than 83% of people who have at least one shot. So we're doing the work. First, don't compare things to a year ago. You sound silly. Vaccine was just getting unveiled a year ago under President Trump and Operation Warp Speed. So don't compare it to just a year ago. That's the silliest thing ever. Really, you sound pathetic. But notice, lockdowns aren't ruled out. Lockdowns are not ruled out because they are not ruled out because they are coming. Broadway is shutting down shows. I believe the NBA will go to no fans, and I believe that the NFL may as well. Although the NFL is doing something very interesting. They seem, at least some are asking the question, why in the world do we have these protocols for people who are asymptomatic? Right? I'm not wrong, producer. Sorry, that's, that's what some people are asking. If someone's asymptomatic, why do they have to be in any level of protocol? They're fine. Let them play. Yeah, Baker Mayfield of the Cleveland Browns is a big advocate of that. Because it doesn't matter. Everyone can carry viral load. And no matter how much Twitter likes to say otherwise, and no matter how much Joe Biden lies through his teeth. And so everybody talks about freedom and not to have a to have a shot or have a test. Well, guess what? And so how about patriotism? How about making sure that you're vaccinated so you do not spread the disease to anybody else? What about that? What's the big deal? Well, there's lots of big deals, but if you're vaccinated, you can spread the disease. The president of the United States doesn't know this, or maybe he forgot. You're going to spread this disease whether you're vaccinated or not. The vaccine only helps you deal with it if you should become symptomatic, and it lessens the symptoms. These are the facts. So, of course, the team should still play, but it doesn't seem that they're going to. I think you'll see schools locked down and go hybrid or go virtual. I think you'll see mayors in, in, in leftist cities say, up oh, restaurant occupancy, 50%, outdoor dining in Indianapolis in the winter. That's going to work out great. But what is the damage that we've really done by doing this? The first lockdowns and now seeing how people are reacting to a variant that doesn't kill. Daniel Hannan is a uh, parliamentarian, uh, British parliamentarian, and he has long been speaking on the side of freedom and understanding the rights of, of humanity. And he brought up, in, uh, in, in, in front of uh, those assembled, a very worthy point about this idea of lockdowns and how it has improperly set the mind of governments. But I keep coming back to one question. Why would that logic not now apply to every future variant or indeed to every disease as yet unencountered by our doctors. Are we in danger of permanently tilting the balance so that we have preemptive stay-at-home orders or other restrictions on the off chance every time there is something that may turn out or may not to be a severe public health risk? 
And it seems to me here that we have to make our stand. The thing that has most alarmed me over the last 18 months has been a reversal in the burden of proof. When we are proposing to take away people's elemental freedoms, the onus must be on the proponents of change to prove their case. It is not for defenders of the status quo ante, it's not for defenders of our traditional freedoms to show why restrictions are not necessary. And I'm not sure that that has happened in this case. But even if it has, how are we not opening the door to the same reasoning every time in future so that we have a seesaw of constant lockdowns or other bans and restrictions every time something happens just to be on the safe side. And my lords, that would be a fundamental alteration in the relationship between state and citizen. It, it's, an, it's so wonderfully said. If you set the stage, the standard, the philosophy, the theory, the belief, the concept that government has to act to protect the people, haven't you now set the stage by which they can protect the people from anything they deem worthy of protection from? And haven't they now set the ability and the schedule to do so? Have we contemplated how dangerous that is? No, no, I, take, a, take a step back for a second before you say, absolutely, Tony, I've been saying it to this one, that one. I'm asking you to take a step back. And I'm not saying that you haven't contemplated it and you haven't come to a, a, a serious understanding of it. I have faith in you completely. I want to make sure you understand what I'm saying. Have we asked ourselves, if we set the stage that government can do these things, why would they not do these things? I opposed bailouts. Bailouts is how I started my activism. Actually, how I started, uh, and from there went to the Tea Party. It's how I really got involved in all this. It's, it's It's how I got to radio. Bailouts. Because I understood... From the beginning, that if you're going to bail people out in in 2008, 2009, 2010, you're going to bail out big banks. You're going to bail out people who bought those mortgage-backed securities and 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 gave out those mortgages. Hey, you make thirty-two thousand dollars a year. Here's a seven hundred thousand dollar mortgage. No, it's fine. Oh, you got a second property. We could do that too. People knew to. what they were doing. The people knew what they were doing, and I don't believe in in bailing them out for a second. But what I said at the time, and I've been saying it since. If you scream to the government, and if the government screams that we must do something, government must do something, well, these government officials, these politicos, they'll do something because their constituents are screaming at them to do something. The problem is something to you is very different than something to me, very different than something to producer Ari, very different than all the other things, all the other people out there. So government then does everything, all the things because they were told to do something. The worst thing we have done in a generation until the lockdowns was the bailouts, because we taught an entire generation that when the you-know-what hits the fan, don't worry, government will take care of it. Teaching that government will take care of it is an affront 
to who we are as Americans. It is as dangerous a moment as I have ever witnessed. Teaching Americans that government will do what they must to protect them, including taking away their rights, is more dangerous. And that is what is being set in the minds right now. Daniel Hannon is absolutely correct here. And you may very well be absolutely correct here. This is why we can never lock down again. And this is why the conversations of the first time around can't be the conversations of the second time around. If you allow lockdowns, if you allow lockdowns, you will get the nation you deserve, not the one you're supposed to fight for. I'm Tony Katz. Purdue University is in West Lafayette, Indiana. The president of Purdue University is Mitch Daniels. I am a fellow of the Mitch Daniels Leadership Foundation, Tony Katz. Tony Katz, today, it's a story that's making national news that a student at Purdue who is Chinese speaking out on behalf of freedom and others who uh, have been uh, martyred for advocating it was harassed and threatened by other students from China. Chinese students went after a Chinese student for speaking out about the problems in China. And then back in China, his family was visited and threatened by agents of the Communist Party. Mitch Daniels writes that we regret that we were unaware at the time of these events and had to learn of them from national sources. That reflects the atmosphere of intimidation that we have discovered surrounds this specific sort of speech. Any such intimidation is unacceptable and unwelcome on our campus. Purdue has punished less personal, direct, and threatening conduct. Anyone taking exception to the speech in question had their own right to express their disagreement, but not to engage in the actions of harassment which occurred here. If those students who issued the threats can be identified, they will be subject to appropriate disciplinary action. Likewise, any student found to have reported another student to any foreign entity for exercising their freedom of speech or belief will be subject to significant sanction. International students are nothing new at Purdue University. We are proud that several hundred international students, nearly 200 of them Chinese, enrolled again. Those seeking to deny those rights, meaning free speech rights to others, let alone to collude with the foreign government repressing them, will need to pursue their education elsewhere. And that's why Mitch Daniels is Mitch Daniels and Purdue University is Purdue University. Damn straight. Good on you, my man Mitch. I'm Tony Katz. This is Tony Katz Today. It is time once again for the annual tradition here at Tony Katz today. The dummies. Oh, so magical. It's a magical time of year indeed, producer Ari. Tony Katz, Tony Katz today. Great to be with you. What are the dummies? Those are the awards given to the most ridiculous, most nonsensical, absolutely foolhardy, what in the bloody hell are you talking about things said by a politico or a media person or a culture person or maybe your mom. We don't know. Until we hear from the nominees. The nominees are selected by our crack platoon of nominee selectors. They include producer Ari. And producer Ari. That's right. I I tell you, I filter them through a highly capable team of experts 
who study it rigorously. This is a year-long process. This is not willy-nilly. Very prestigious award show. We would never half-ass it. Right now, producer Ari and I are both wearing tuxedos from the waist down. Let's find out who are the nominees. These are the people who have said the most ridiculous, nonsensical thing in 2021. And as we know, producer Ari, many nonsensical things were said in 2021. How did you narrow it down to the four nominees? The process of the dummies is simple, is that you don't need any context to, to, to read these comments and hear these comments and say, boy... That is just terrible. Who who would say such a thing? Now, you understand we never use the words dumb or stupid on the show. We really try to avoid them because they end conversation. But on this, there was just no other way. There was no other way to explain it. So the only rule for the Dummy Awards is that even out of context, it's still clinically insane. Correct. And with that finger... I was going to call I was you fingers say, yeah. I almost called you my, my partner from Eat, Drink, Smoke. With that, Producer Ari... Let us talk about the Dummy Awards. Who is nominee number one? Nominee number one belongs to the supervisor, Jim Desmond, uh, who said that American students cannot go back to school, but migrant children can get in-person teachers. There is no clip for this. It was a tweet. So the tweet, oh, I thought there was a clip. I was every all other, geared up Every for, other one has a, a clip. clip. All the others have clips. This goes back to March of 2021, San Diego public school teachers to give migrant kids in-person instruction before, of course, the actual students and the taxpayers who pay for those students to get educated. It was okay to teach children who aren't American citizens, but it was not okay to teach American citizens. That is a take. That is a hot take. And that is nominee number one for the Dummy Awards. I feel like we need just a little bit of extra music here. Let me see if, if I can. If Oh, yeah. I, ah, that's not it. That's not it. I can, I can put this together. Uh, there it is. Thank you very much. Who is nominee number two, producer Ari? Ah, uh, from Joy Reid's show. I'm saying yes. MSNBC contributor and former Lincoln Project guy, Kurt Bardella. Scumbag. Says, Wait, what? What? Who said that? Who said that? Please, no no calling out from the audience, please. Says Donald Trump and the GOP are worse and have done more damage to America than Al-Qaeda, Osama bin Laden, and the Taliban combined. Listen. And it's really, it's really something hearing those comments from President George W. Bush. I've been thinking to myself this whole time, you know, Al-Qaeda. Osama bin Laden, the Taliban, the people who wanted to do harm to our nation and to our way of life and our democracy, they got nothing on what this Republican Party is doing. Oh, that is precious. That is precious right there. That's that's the kind of ideological claptrap that makes MSNBC the station you don't watch. That is that is that is priceless from Bardella. It's like, hey, how many incendiary things can I string together? And then people say, hmm, yes, you are very wise. Like, if it was CNN, you'd hear Brian Stelter going, hmm, hmm. Very hmm. strong nominee. Oh, that is, you know, in any other year, that's a clear winner. But we have so many strong nominees this year, it's hard to say. That was nominee number two. Producer Ari, who is nominee number three for the Dummy Awards? 
friend of the show, but not really, Jen Psaki, when being pushed by Peter... Wait, wait. How, how did Jen Psaki get close to being friend of the show? She's mentioned so often, I thought there was some sort of transitive friend, friendship property. That, That's not how it works. No? Okay. My apologies. Frequent topic of conversation on the show, Jen Psaki. <laughs> When being pressured by Peter Ducey on why Joe Biden has not visited the border, she responded, well, Joe Biden has visited the border back in 2008. Okay, following up on something else the president said last night, why did President Biden say he has been to the border? Well, Peter, uh, as you may have seen, there's been uh, reporting that he uh, did drive through the border when he was on the campaign trail in 2008, and he is certainly familiar with the fact, and it stuck with him, with the fact that uh, in El Paso, uh, the border goes right through the center of town. Just, just, just tremendous. I, I, th- I think we should all just take a moment to enjoy the speechlessness that comes after hearing something like that. The border's in total disarray. The border's a mass crisis. And he was there 13 years ago. Like he remembers what he did 13 minutes ago. Never mind 13 years ago. Jen Psaki. Baghdad bobbing her way to the list of the dummies. These are the awards for the most ridiculous things said by a Politico or other in 2021. It's a strong list of contenders. We have one more. Producer Ari. And that's right. There is a fourth contender right now. Producer Ari, who is our fourth nominee? Unfortunately, Tony, it is the commander-in-chief, Joe Biden. I tried. I usually, it's the first time ever in the history of the dummies four years the president has actually been nominated for a dummy, but this was just too much to pass up. This is Biden in July, one month before the tragedy in Afghanistan. Joe Biden saying, There is going to be no circumstance where you're going to see people lifted off the roof of the U.S. Embassy in a helicopter. There's going to be no circumstance where you see people being lifted off the roof of a embassy of the United States from Afghanistan. And the irony is that that is literally exactly what happened. There's Joe Biden trying to calm nerves. We will not see it like the fall of Saigon and... We still left people behind. I don't think that part is funny at all. We, we left Americans to die uh, behind. There you have it. You have the four nominees for the Dummy Awards. Now, you can reach out to us on the social medias, on the Twitter box, at Tony Katz, and let us know who your choice is to win the Dummy Awards. Uh, I, you know, I, I, I have to tell you, this this is a hard slog. Let me break this down, producer Ari, if I can, and make sure everybody knows who our four nominees are. Uh, first, uh, you have uh, that story uh, out of San Diego back in March where uh, the children who have come across the border illegally uh, are getting an education, unaccompanied minors and all. But uh, San Diego County students... Actual American citizens were not allowed for in-person teaching because of COVID. Indeed. Now that, in any other year, is so criminally insane. And what makes that one so strong is that it's more than just a statement. It was a policy. They actually did it. So it's more than something just ridiculously said. It's something ridiculously done. That's a factor. 
And that makes it super strong. 130,000 kids in the San Diego Unified School District who didn't get to go to school. But these migrant children, they got the best education our money could buy. Very, very strong contender, producer Ari. And then it is the MSNBC guest, Kurt Bardella. The funny thing about Kurt Bardella is that he used to work for Breitbart. And he just he just switched. He just went uh, the the other way and said, "Hey, I can I can make money like this." Now maybe he went for ideological reasons. But when you sign up and partner with the Lincoln Project, man, you're a bad dude. You are like a Reed Galen kind of low life jerk. You are terrible. You're protecting uh, predators like John Weaver. You're working the, the the grift for Rick Wilson and Steve Schmidt. Man, shameful, shameful stuff. Really ugly. But. The GOP is a bigger threat than Al-Qaeda, Bin Laden, and the Taliban combined. He went for the trifecta of big, scary words. What I don't understand, hold the music, is why he wasn't excoriated for this by MSNBC. Do me a favor, producer. All right, play it again. Stand by. Okay. We should have practiced this in rehearsal. Really something hearing show. those comments from President George W. Bush, I've been thinking to myself this whole time, you know, Al-Qaeda, Osama bin Laden, the Taliban, the people who wanted to do harm to our nation and to our way of life and our democracy, they got nothing on what this Republican Party is doing. The idea that a member of their party, of their leadership, whose last name is Cheney, could be purged from their leadership for telling the truth about January 6th for telling the truth about a violent insurrection that claimed the lives of, of among um, a, a Capitol Police officer. The fact that they won't, people like Cheney won't support the great lie that this election was rigged or there was voter fraud, uh, that anti-democratic forces are hijacking this party, purging one of, one of the members who won't, who won't abide by the party line, uh, that is so detrimental and dangerous. We are a two-party system in this country. That's oh, I've had enough. Built, first things first. When one of those two- uh, I, I believe uh, no police officers died. Uh, Officer Sicknick did not die because of what took place on January 6th. Uh, so lie right there. You want to talk about big lie if we're going to be using that despicable term like he is. Secondly, uh, uh, she was purged from leadership because she wasn't leading. She was sending the Republican Party down an ununified road as opposed to focusing on policy. Third, and at first she was allowed to keep her leadership position, and then she kept going down this road. And third, here's the big one. He's comparing the Republican Party to Al-Qaeda bin Laden and Taliban and calling them the bad guys. Combined. Why isn't he called, why isn't he called to the carpet for being anti-Muslim? He's on Joy Reid Why dude. is he calling Muslims bad people? I find that despicable. That would happen. Where is Ilhan Omar to call him out as the Lauren Boebert of his time? Oh, my gosh. I find that despicable. Despicable. Those three groups of people are not representative of Muslims, in case you were curious. But it is interesting that he would say it and not be called to the carpet. But what was number three? Number three was, of course, uh, that Jen Psaki quote that Joe Biden has been to the border because he drove through El Paso in 2008. Okay, there's up on something else the president said last night. Why did President Biden say he has been to the border? Well, Peter, uh, as you may have seen, there's been uh, reporting that he uh, did 
drive through the border when he was on the campaign trail in 2008. That's insane. That is insane and perfect for this White House. Perfect. The level of disdain that they have for you, me, and we, for the American people, the level of belittling that Jen Psaki engages in on a daily basis. There are strong women in the world, and Jen Psaki is just not one of them. I mean, it's just nasty. It's insulting. It's meant to be. And then, of course, Joe Biden making the Vietnam comparison about the withdrawal from Afghanistan one one month before the disaster. The North Vietnamese army, they're not not remotely comparable in terms of capability. There's going to be no circumstance where you see people being lifted off the roof of a embassy of the United States from Afghanistan. Now, the part here that makes this a nominee is that it's a self-inflicted wound. He didn't have to say anything like it. He had to project strength and move on. He decided to invoke Vietnam all by himself. He didn't have to do it. Self-inflicted. So those are the nominees. Now, I know, uh, Producer Ari, you have got a winner in mind, but the people will vote. Exactly. The people speak, their votes are tallied, and we will decide the winner. Yeah, yeah, we totally disregard the votes. But you still get the chance to do it on Twitter. Right now, we'll come back with the winner. Keep it here. This is Tony Katz today. So there's a little bit of Omicron data being shared uh, by uh, Nicole Sapphire. She's a doctor, and she does a lot of work. Uh, with with Fox News, uh, that that's that's where I I've seen her uh, re- repeatedly, and uh, a surgeon uh, married to a surgeon. She's a doctor. Encouraging news from the South African Health Ministry showing age control data on Omicron. That's that variant, and, I, and I've we're, we're talking about it. I've got I'm going to get into it even more because I've got a whole breakdown I want to do for you. Across all ages, deaths among those hospitalized are two thirds lower in Omicron wave. Compared to earlier waves. So if you take a look at second wave, third wave, and fourth wave across the entire spectrum of ages from zero to 80 plus, Omicron is far, far lower. And so this comes out out of South Africa. It's the COVID-19 in-hospital case fatality ratio in the first 25 days of second, third, and fourth wave. Um. So second wave, I forget even what that was. Third wave is Delta. And so the, the largest, of, of course, is 80 plus, then 60 to 69. Then it's tied between 70 and 79 and 50 and 59. And then, well, it just gets crazy minuscule. For example, 2029 is above 3039. But for zero to, to 19, it, does, it barely exists. For five to nine-year-olds, there is nothing. There's literally no people. Also, it's important that the in-hospitality, in-hospital, I should say, case fatality ratio still doesn't account for what? Comorbidities, at least according to the data chart I have here. Omicron hysteria is just that. Purposeful and nonsensical. Valueless. 
But I'm, uh, I'm telling you, lockdowns are coming. I do not know why anybody would doubt me at all. I have no idea. I mean, you got to be out of your head crazy to not think, hey, here's how I think it's going to work. You've got uh, the holiday break. Kids are out of school. You'll hear about virtual or hybrid. Then uh, you're going to hear about mayors saying, well, in order to stop the spread of this of this variant that doesn't kill, um, we're going to have to go back to 50% capacity in restaurants and bars, and we're going to have to tell the entertainment venues 50% capacity, and we're going to have to, you know, we're going to have to put a halt on some, some concerts and some other live events. That's all coming while you're celebrating Christmas. Bet me. Please bet me. I'm Tony Katz.